Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This week's Failed Critics Podcast, I'm Steve Norman, joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. Andrew Brooker. Hello. And the Daily Mirror's film correspondent, Paul Field. Up yours. Good evening, chaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're actually not allowed on here anymore, Paul, because it's the failed critics, not the published critics. So <laughs> This is very much your farewell. <laughs> I, I think my, my, my fee would barely get us around. <laughs> Anyway, um, straight into the podcast and into the quiz. Last week, Owen changed up the format a bit, and um, what happened? What happened was people had to tell us who they thought won, who defended United Passions the best, and um, it was tied, actually, between you and Tony with the most votes. Paul, uh, Brooker, did you listen to the podcast last week? Last week's I did. Podcast? Do you have a winner who you thought defended the film about the sport you hate the most, the best? I don't hate this sport the most. It's only slightly better than golf. <laughs> okay. It, uh, I, I have to probably Tony, I have to admit. I like Tony. Tony's one. What? Yeah. Okay. Fix. Sorry, Steve. There you go. So <laughs> fine. neither of us get a point. There you go. Clearly, um, Rooker was picked last for games at school. <laughs> Always. That's why he likes American football so much. Damn straight. That's where all the losers go, isn't it? Anyway, um, if the guests win, doesn't that mean that I get a point as the host of the quiz? Or it means neither of us got a point. So it's still 1-0 well, to you. Okay, fine. Just delaying the inevitable, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've gone back to the old format for the quiz because I can tell Owen's furious about this, but I just didn't have the time this week to think of a, a new uh, format for something being dropped on me at the last minute. Um, so you sorry. You could have done this, anything, this. Steve. Anything at all. You could have done like reading bits from the trivia page, and we could guess what film it is. Well, any film week. that Michael Owen might have seen. Any film Michael <laughs> Owen has seen. <laughs> Might be too easy with about four <laughs> films being seen. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll endeavour next week to improve upon this. We're back to the old format though, of reading out someone's filmography. And I'm going to start with 1996, I Love You, I Love You Not. No idea. Never heard of it. In no, 1997, 1997, they're in Gattaca. Jude Law. So, Brooker, Jude Law. Oh, 
Brooker, you are correct. <laughs> Didn't you do Jude Law and Gattaca the last Literally. time I was on? No, that is existence. No. You love Jude Law. Oh, no, we, you mean I as thought... part of the quiz? Mm. Yeah, I think I did. Yeah. That's twice in a row. <laughs> yeah. That's all right, because apart from the 150th episode, I've never gotten one wrong. Um, right. That was like all of them on the. <laughs> I got every single one wrong and made up for all of it. Yeah. There you go. And it was probably four o'clock in the morning when you were getting those wrong. And... True. Yeah. Uh, the holy straight into the I love you, I love uh, you not. It's a film. I don't believe you. Would you, would you like a quick bonus question on the quiz? Yes, go on then. Which fail critic said this week of which film? We'll probably do really well out of it with all the publicity. <laughs> Might not get a theatrical release here, but I stand by the money thing. Was it me? Yes. Was it United Passions? It was. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I thought with the like press that that film's been getting, I thought it would have more than one person in the How whole. How much did it like, make, Owen? Was, going to see. was it like seven hundred dollars? Six hundred and seven. Six hundred and seven dollars. Wow. On a budget of twenty-five million, didn't it make like nine dollars in one screen? It did. So like one dude went to see it at that cinema. Yep, six pounds. <laughs> was that Steve? <laughs> <laughs> was you the one person who saw it, Steve? Yeah, flew all the way to New York to spend nine dollars to watch a film about FIFA. <laughs> it's dedication. That That's is dedication. You yeah. love football. Owen can't wait for the expenses to come through for that one. <laughs> uh, yes, so but yes, um, proper news then. Proper news, as well, the kind of proper news ish. Um, I don't know where to start really. Jurassic World, are we any of us actually anticipating that to be a decent film? No, no, okay, well, rest assured, it's actually had terrible reviews so far been reviewed extremely poorly after its um press screenings apparently it's just a big long advert a really long advert lots of different things barely any characters in it chris pratt isn't even a main character from what i've read which is odd because his name and face is all over that poster and trailer um yeah it's gone down like a lead balloon well, it's well, good to see all the money spent filling up my two local cinemas with it was well spent. It is going to be on for absolutely ages. And I kind of, I'm disappointed. And I'll go, perhaps it might help because I'll go into the film with actually really low expectations. And it <laughs> might just be better than I'm expecting. And therefore I can review it positively. And but, if you come on next week and say it's proper dinosaur porn, I'm not interested. Proper dinosaur porn. That's what I'm after. It's the only way it's going to redeem itself. God, there must, you must my, only interest is, sorry, my only interest is if it knocks Big Hero 6 out of Cineworld Eastbourne. <laughs> Nothing will knock Big Hero 6 out of Cineworld anywhere. <laughs> it's just relentless. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, well, it'll be taking up probably about four screens per oh, cinema. God. Two 2D, two 3D. Um, That's in 4DX in Milton Keynes. Woohoo! What even oh, is... What? What? Oh, you must have heard of 4DX. Is that the one where you get a rub and tug at your seat? It's like you sit in a row of seats and the the whole... You know how D-Box works? Everything kind of shakes and moves? 
Mm-hmm. Well, this kind of does it like a roller coaster. Like the whole rack of seats shifts. You can. It's got water. It's got wind. It's got smells. You get sprayed in the face with water if there's a raining scene. Hey, mate, we've all been sprayed in the face. Not in my local fucking Cineworld, I haven't. Oh, you haven't been to Eastbourne. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't at the I... Fifty Shades screening. <laughs> I I I haven't tried it out yet. I kind of. I'm not sure I can bring myself to watch a film where. You know, my popcorn's going to get soaking wet on purpose. I just yeah. know. Mm. But yeah, it's taking up all the 4DX screens in Milton Keynes as well. I just... Blah. I, I'm going to just defend Cineworld very slightly, very in a tiny amount of defence, because they're going to show The Terminator, the original James Cameron 1987 Terminator film on the big screen. I've never seen it on a big screen before, and I'm really excited for it. Is it just a one-off, one-night-only yeah. screening? It is, yeah, because Terminator Genesis is going okay. to be coming out soon. But that annoys me even more because Cineworld have gone on record multiple times to me saying <laughs> we cannot show films on a one-off basis. I, you know, there's there's a you know medium-sized release. My local one has six screens. Why don't you do like an indie Tuesday or something where you just show it once? No, no, we can't do one-off screenings. We're not allowed. And then I'm, you know, while I'm queuing up to watch a one-off screening of Gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. They do them on Saturdays and Sundays occasionally, just one-off screenings of films I've seen. Or what? Yeah, but what they is don't even... do one-off screenings of new films. Mm, so mine does sometimes. Really? They do occasionally. Outs- yeah. Outside of the like preview screenings, I've never yeah. seen one-off. Oh well, I guess probably not outside of previews. Hmm. But um, they would you the... be up for that though? Say if they did. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, midweek, whatever, whenever Meerkat Twatfest isn't on, <laughs> on a Thursday or something like that. You know, the day before the new releases come out, they showed whatever you know indie release was on in one screen. I can't see how it wouldn't be busy. Well, I went to see the Place Beyond the Pines in a midday, midweek showing because they were only showing it for like two or three days, uh-huh. and I had to actually like book a day off work because the only time it was showing was about sort of twelve thirty in the afternoon. That was the yeah. only way I was going to see that film. We had something similar with Place Beyond the Pines. I think we went at like a eleven o'clock at night show because that was the only time it was showing. Hmm. I'm pretty Which sure is... I fell asleep halfway through. <laughs> Well, I really liked the film. I was glad I tried it. I, I thought it was great. It was just one o'clock in the goddamn morning. Yeah, it's a long one, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, no, I would definitely be up for that if Cineworld were to, because of the the unlimited card is a bargain. I mean, it really is. It's like sixteen quid a month, and you can see however many films they are. I know that's not necessarily true. It's not as however many films you like because it's just you can go and see Big Hero six fifteen times a month if you wanted. But I think for for the money, it's it's pretty good and i think odeon are trying to adopt a similar thing now odeon have got like a premier club thing where you get points every time you go and every time you buy popcorn no they're, they're doing it their own unlimited now they're trialing it they? brighton's the nearest one to me yeah yeah because oh, nice. my local odeon is actually it blows Cineworld out of water the but new odeon that's opened up is fantastic i didn't realize this i always thought you couldn't take you, your own food in whichever one you're at but apparently Cineworld, you can take your own snacks. It's not, it's not an issue. It's only hot food you can't take in. But Odeon, if you sign up for their Unlimited, you're not allowed to take your own snacks in. Hmm. Yeah, well, do they pat you down? Do they check I don't know. I said to you, well, when I was at that screening in Brighton with the bloke <coughs> a shopping trolley full of food in. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
But um, yeah, so Jurassic but, yes. World will be on about a million times, and we can go and see that fifteen times a month if we wanted to. With our and we could cards. well be disappointed based on the reviews so far. Exactly. Uh, any other news for us, Owen? Uh, sort of-ish. So Hugh Jackman has basically said he's only doing one more film as Wolverine. It's going to be Wolverine 3. is the last one he does, and then he's quitting the role. Which um, I'm kind of preempting what Paul's going to say, but I'm kind of disappointed about that. I like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. I think he is pretty good in those films. Um are you preempting me saying I couldn't give a rat's ass? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> would I be correct? You would. Yes. <laughs> but um, you like him as well, don't you, Steve? You, I'm sure you said before that. Yeah, he's, he's good as Wolverine. Yeah. Um, could have been Danny DeVito, couldn't it? <laughs> could I heard been. this. I heard. I heard this on. It might have been another film podcast where we where we know some of the people on it. But when they were pitching around doing an X-Men film in like the 80s, because in the comics isn't Wolverine quite short. He's a short, ugly, hairy, little, angry man. Yeah. And then they actually cast Hugh Jackman as this tall, yeah. handsome But they were Muslim. apparently, in a, one point, whenever a Wolverine or X-Men film was being pitched years and years ago, Danny DeVito was being considered because he is short, ugly and weird looking. Yeah. And hairy. It's a completely different film. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think Jack Nicholson might have been touted at one point as well. But uh, you know, Hugh Jackman's done a good job. He's been in it for ages. You can't actually stay ageless forever as much as he tries, like the character is supposed to. So yeah, I think it's about time to step down, really. But it's a it's um tough shoes to fill if someone else steps in. He's kind of made that character his own. Yeah, and. Um, They've struggled to recast it because if they're going with the way they're going now with the you know, keeping up the current theme of going back into the past, which he looked the same. Mm. He was So it's it's doable, yeah. but it's going to be difficult for yeah. a number of reasons. Dan DeVito might still need a job. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that just to see him try and be Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Danny DeVito whipping his shirt off coming out of a big tub of water in slow motion, screaming. Sure, there's, be... been a, there's, there's got to have been a There's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode that does that. <laughs> I love that show. <laughs> I haven't watched that show for years. Oh, it's still going. Yeah, I know. It just, just gets more and more wrong. <laughs> has, has it been picked up by Netflix, that show? Or is it just that it's shown over here only on Netflix? I think it's just shown here on Netflix. Oh, okay, yeah. But uh, well, it kind of segues into Sense8, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, I think, very briefly. But you love that, don't you, Paul? I, I seen do. The first I love it. And I, as yeah. I said earlier, not to be that guy, but to, to watch it in 4K, it's just something else. It looks amazing. But equally, it, it's, you know, it's a really nice slow burn mm. and ultra-violent, proper filthy, set. The set, you know, there's the settings all over the world, really engaging storyline across these. It's, it's a really ambitious project. You've got eight kind of people in different places, different stories, and different. You know, and it's mm. yeah, it comes together and it's really good, really good. What, what you need some patience with it, but it is awesome. How far into it are you now? Finished it. Oh, finished you finished it? it? Yeah, oh. I finished the whole lot in two days. 
Crikey. Which is rare not... for me, because I get bored really quickly. They're not short episodes either, are they? Nope. They're not like half an hour long. No, no, episodes. no, no. They, they, yeah. Some of them are pushing an hour, so yeah. Yeah. That was my wow. weekend gone. That is a what you call a box set marathon. It That's is. Pretty, pretty impressive. Highly recommended. Cool. So um, I think that about covers the news, really. Unless there's anything that anybody yeah. else has seen that they want to... Only, only Uwe Boll on oh, YouTube yeah. telling <laughs> everyone to fuck um. off. <laughs> I watched it earlier and I thought, you know what? Fair enough. <laughs> You've got to admire him, haven't you? Yeah, he's yeah. completely off his head, but that was that was brilliant. I really enjoyed that. I could not be fucking happier in pulling out of doing films forever. Please, God. <laughs> Let him never try and remake another one of my fucking video games into a film. <laughs> what a cunt. <laughs> this yeah. is very nice of you to stay. This for me, Brooker. Thank you. It's, oh, it just he he angers me. He makes my teeth hurt. He's such a wanker. I think I've only seen two of his films: Alone in the Dark, which is oh, horrendous. Oh. And um, the film he did with the Stace that I can't remember the name of. That's just uh, in the name of the king. Yeah, not yeah, in the name of the king. Yeah, a dungeon tale or something, isn't it? He's he's yeah. done a lot of films. He's got like thirty directing credits. Yeah, yeah but if you look at them, all or almost all of them are based off of really really good video games, and he's turned them into complete tripe. Yeah, although oh. he had one that only one that was quite critically acclaimed, didn't he? Uh, Rampage was it or something like that? Yeah, I've seen Rampage. That's quite good. Yeah, I think that's the only one that I know of of his films. Well, he was kicking off about not getting funded for Rampage Three. That's all you need to know. <laughs> wow. well, that was what was that? That was his third Kickstarter that hadn't mm-hmm. that hadn't made funding. Well, that's because we know you, dude. <laughs> yes. we're, not, <laughs> we're not giving you money for anything. I mean, I was recently praising Albert Pyon on the podcast and how like. He works with the minimal budget and he's very ambitious and he really drives through these projects to, to make relatively decent... Death ninja kickboxer dude, doesn't he? Exactly, that's him, yeah. yeah. Um, and I kind of admire that and I want to support him if I can. I'll pay for his films and so on. But, you know, at the same by the same token, you've got Uwe Boll who knowingly makes really shit films and is an arrogant prick who I don't feel like I, I want to support. So, it's awkward you know, morally, with supporting B-movie directors and indie directors and giving money to projects on Kickstarter. I know uh-huh. I know, we're not going to get to it, so while we're talking about shit films, it came out this week, but you should go and try and see Electric Boogaloo, the wild untold story <laughs> of <laughs> Canon Films. Canon Films document. Oh, oh, mate, it was so good. I really want to see that. That yeah, might be my viewing over the weekend. Yeah, it's this good. Definitely one for you, Owen. The guy who yes. made it did Machete Maidens Unleashed and Not Quite Hollywood. And so, he, you know, he's, he's a real expert in exploitation, exploitation, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, really good fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Cool. Right. Well, that's all for the news and part one in part two for what we've been watching, where we'll take a look at some of the non-new releases we've seen over the last seven days. <laughs> So, as usual in what we've been watching, we're going to have a look at the films that everyone's seen in the last week or so, which aren't essentially new releases in the cinema. 
Um, Brooker, you've seen a film that I think me and Owen saw and reviewed on the podcast when it was a new release. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, because I missed it when it was at the cinema, so I've kind of, I, without just relying on you guys and your reviews, I bought the, the Blu-ray for Ex Machina and watched it over the weekend. And my God, <laughs> that film is spectacular. That film is absolutely yeah. amazing. I was, me and the other half, we were gobsmacked watching this film. This is just absolutely amazing. More importantly, kind of, I've had six months worth of hype. People going, oh, you got to watch Ex Machina. It's amazing, and it was still amazing. After I was really very impressed. It's the, I suppose, real quick. It's the the, the story of a guy who wins a competition to go and spend some time with a a guy who's developed his own AI, and he's got to do the the Turing test on on this AI to see. Oh, no, I can't. I can't quite remember which which way round it goes. Is it? If he, he he asks the AI questions, and if the AI answers not necessarily correctly, but realizes that he's asking questions, it's then... uh, the the Turing test is basically you would ask a mm. thing you don't know whether it's a person or a computer. Yeah. If it can convince you that it's a person yeah. and you believe it's a person, but it's actually a computer, then it passes the Turing test. That's yeah. essentially it. But in the film, it's slightly different because he can see that it's a machine. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so that's the kind of twist on it, really. It's it's different. It's like a very quiet and serene version of what Blade Runner was trying to do back in the day. Hmm. And I I I adored it. It was absolutely brilliant. I thought, or I don't know anybody that's in it. Well, no, Gleason, Dom Hall Gleason, obviously because he's Brendan Gleason's kid. Yeah. Uh, you didn't know Oscar Isaac? Nope. Wow. Okay. Don't know who he is. He looks like a dude I used to work with. That's about all I know. <laughs> He's probably in then. And I want his beard. <laughs> my, my beard has never looked that good ever. I knew he's got it. a good beard. <laughs> he's got a good beard in uh, Inside Lewin Davis. I see, a good I, beard and good hair combo in that. I haven't seen that yet. And th- another one that everybody goes, "Oh, you have to watch this." I just haven't got around to watching it. Uh, but no, I I really like the whole thing about it, the the because it's Alex Garland's directorial debut, isn't it? Yes. Can we he's, touch yeah. upon him because I've Alex really- Garland. Yeah, they'll not touch him literally, but why, why I, do you want I have to touch a real. I have a real. Show was on the doll pool. Show was on the doll. Yeah, I have a real love hate relationship with him. Cause... I know how much you love Dread. Well, this is the thing. I love the beach. Like Twenty Eight Days Later, hated the Tesseract. It's one of the worst films and books ever. Love Sunshine. Didn't like let, Never Let Me Go. Hated Dread. Enjoyed Ex Machina, and Waiting on Halo. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> so it's a real flip-flop all the way through his filmography. I have to admit, for the most part, I don't. I quite like him. He, because he, he does a lot of writing for video games and that as well, which usually come out okay. Uh, the only films of his I think I've seen that didn't like were the ones that Danny Boyle done. Oh, I, oh really? I don't like Danny Boyle films. What? Yeah, sacrilege. Oh, if I never see another Danny Boyle film, if I never see another clip of Danny Boyle doing that fucking Tigger jump, I will die a happy man. This is, this is, my, my mind's blown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, what I'm about off. the Olympics opening ceremony, Brooker? Did yeah. you like that? No, I didn't. You don't like train spotting? No, I don't like train spotting. 
We but can't like be 28 friends. days later. No. What Admittedly, like? when I went to shallow grave, surely shallow yeah, grave. Yeah, okay, shallow grave's all right. Okay, good. the sunshine's good. not bad, mate. You are gonna love porno, but I'm sorry, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's the 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 sequel to Train Spotting, porno. Are we talking film or book? No, the film. These oh, okay. doing porno with Irving Welsh. Ah, uh, see, I One of my I, favorite books of all time. Yeah, see, I've not read it. I I got about halfway through Train Spotting and got bored. This is completely different. This is like making films at, at Cannes, <laughs> which are filth. It is just so funny. You're going to love it. Trust me. <laughs> in, I mean, in honestly, you know, train spotting to a point 28 days later, I wasn't young when they came out, but maybe I just didn't appreciate them. And at some point in my copious free fucking time, I will go back and watch them again. But I'm not in any rush. I just didn't like him. I don't particularly like Danny Boyle films as a whole. 127 Hours may have been the most bollocks film I've ever seen. <laughs> wow. Mate, to be fair, Friday night in Thamesmead, you must have woken up with a few birds <laughs> where you've chewed your own arm off to get away from them. <laughs> no, they tend to the birds in Thamesmead, the, the arm tends to fall off. <laughs> There's something else I thought you told me that falls off. <laughs> That, that that's, went years three, ago. that's three days later. Yeah. <laughs> the very, the very un-funny un, un, uh, prequel to 28 Days Later. <laughs> anyway, moving on, moving on. swiftly. Uh, yeah, so, Owen, what have you seen? What are you going to review for us? Uh, okay, so we were sent a screener for a, a horror film called The Redwood Massacre. So I thought, you know, seems all right. It's about um, some, it's a Scottish horror film about some guys who go to the woods on a camping trip and, of course, are massacred by a lunatic who lives in the woods. Uh, I'll take you through my kind of thought processes as the film was happening, as I was watching it. So first of all, I thought, I thought we stopped making films like this decades ago because this film is... It's the way it starts off is appalling. It's abysmal. It is, I had no idea who it was for. It's perhaps designed for people who've literally never seen a single slasher film in their life. Because, I mean, do they write characters who exist in a world where there's no such thing as horror films in these kind of stories? Because literally they do absolutely everything that's cliche for people in horror films to do. And... You know, there's a group of young people. You've no idea why they're all friends. They all hate each other. Uh, it, it starts off with this woman who's covered in blood, running around in the dark, being chased by a man in a mask. That's, it seems really shit. It, it starts off really, really shit. And, you know, they, the dialogue in it is, is awful. You know, the boyfriend says to the girlfriend, don't worry, it'll be a weekend to remember. And she goes, that's what I'm worried about. And it's just, for oh, fuck's sake. You know, and you do realise that this weekend... Like that, like Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, like that, exactly the same. It's a, I'm an actor, a trained actor. Do you, uh, um, Owen, do you, do you get sent many screeners? Uh, we Not do. Not I'm going to say, <laughs> I've got I, really, I think I've got a reason why you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, well, it starts off really shit, honestly. I'm going to come round to why and try and defend it in a minute. But then, you know, what? another bit of the dialogue is you do realise that this weekend it's 20 years since the murders. That is literally, I've written it down verbatim. And... Mother. 
Yeah, murders. Mother. Um, That's been a mother. <laughs> yeah, 20 years ago. Uh, I don't know, it was Northern Irish. I've no idea what the fuck that was. But uh, No so... one else does either, mate. God, I, 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 I can smell lottery funding here. Well, I don't know where the fucking... I can, I can smell a rejected there, Taggart script, is what I can... <laughs> so, you know, obviously what happens in the plot is one of them gets lost... And, of course, there's no phone signal, so they all get a bit worried, and they all kind of split up looking for them. Um, and they actually literally sit around a campfire at one moment, literally all sat around a campfire, and goes, do you guys know what really happened around here? And then, like, in the background, there's, like, a, li- a little girl's laughing voice as the flashback occurs, and they start describing about, oh, please, Daddy, kill Mummy. And it's just like, what the fuck is what? going on? This is horrendous. Because then it turns out that the guy in the mask who's going around slaughtering people is, like, psychotic, as you'd expect, but also some kind of schizophrenic. So he hears his little daughter's voice telling him to kill everyone. Yeah, it's just, it's really bad. It's really bad. So then I started to think about it a little bit more, and I thought, is it actually... Because they're just hitting every single cliché of this sort of film. Is it actually being quite subversive? You know, is it meant to be so absolutely fucking incredibly cliched intentionally? Because what happens then is when these characters are killed off, it is so intensely violent that I kind of got the impression it's actually the director and the writer behind the film are trying to kill these characters in increasingly vicious and like gruesome torture porn-esque ways as almost like a big fuck you to the mainstream studios that churn out the terrible 12A-rated horrors five times a year without any modicum of, like, irony. So I kind of changed shit, sort of tacked a little bit as I watched it, and I thought, okay, so I think it is done intentionally. I think it is done purposefully to say, look, I ha- the direct- from the director's point of view, them saying, I hate the fact that these films exist. This is me killing them in the most... Horrific ways you won't see in these generic slasher crazy man in a woods. Is there, have they films. done anything else? Are there any, any other films we'd know? The directors. Mm. Um, so the guy who directed it is a guy called David Ryan Keith, um, who I don't really know anything else he's done. He's done a couple of films. Let me have a look and uh, let's see. So he's got seven director credits to his name. Uh, one, two, three, four of them are shorts. One of them is called Attack of the Herbals. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Um, what the fuck? Have you seen the cover for that film? Yeah, I'm just looking at it now. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the Attack oh, of the Herbals. That? <laughs> is that? <laughs> Steve, if you win the quiz. <laughs> yeah. I've got him lined up to watch something else, don't worry. Oh, I, mate, we already know. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yes, I'm not. I'm not gonna look forward to that one. I think it may even be worse than Kill Keith, the film that you're gonna make me watch. But uh, anyway, Redwood Massacre has got 3.9 on IMDb. I think because if you take it as it, it as it's seen straight away, then yeah, it's a terrible 3.9 out of 10 sort of film. But if you apply the logic of they're actually really going for every cliche and trope of the genre purposefully in a bid to you know, basically kill them off horrendously as a fuck you to the to the to the genre. Then it's actually it's quite watchable, 
yeah, that's as high a recommendation as I'm going to give it because I still don't think even in, in that regard it's a great film. But yeah, it was it was it was okay. It's not out yet either. It comes out on the seventh of July for anyone who's interested. Anyway, uh, yeah, Paul, what have you seen? Well, I caught up with two two films this week that have kind of both been billed as utterly terrifying and really scary and you know um they're both on itunes in the states but if you with a little bit of jiggery pokery um brooke knows how to do it you, you can you can rent them for a few quid um the, the first one i'll talk about is, is a documentary in fact it's called the nightmare um by rodney asher who who did the documentary about the shining have any of you seen that room mm-hmm. 237 there you go the most fucking ridiculous thing I've ever watched. Uh, it was so funny, though. I Literally, I sat in the cine world howling at that film. I've never laughed at a film so much in my life. I love the, the um, story about him, why it's obvious that <laughs> he directed the moon landings and kept it secret. <laughs> because the kid wears a jumper with... Apollo 11 on it. Apollo 11 on it and walks down the hallway. Yeah. There you go. There's your evidence. I Clearly. Did, I this... did not realise this documentary was by them guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have oh, to watch this, this, this. This ain't much better. Um, it's about <laughs> a, a, something I've... Act, I've got, not to go serious on you. I've actually experienced this. Something called um, sleep paralysis. Where you feel like you're awake, but you physically... You just can't move. And you almost you sort of start, start straining and struggling to move, but you can't but you're conscious and it is really terrifying. So I thought, mm. you know, I've had this only twice, but trust me, I, I you, you don't forget it. If you've had this. It's what often um, alien uh, abductions get put down to, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. When people say they're sort of stuck in, in this position and there's things walking into their rooms mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. By stress. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's made this documentary where he, speaks to all these talking heads um, about their sleep paralysis, but then recreates what they've said they've experienced. And then you've got 90 minutes plus of people laying in bed, frozen, with these weird, creepy guys leaning over them. (laughs) And it ain't terrifying. And it's not (laughs) scary. And some of the victims, especially the one from Manchester... I think he's a fucking lunatic. These, you know, <laughs> they, 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 I, you don't feel sorry for these people because they, they, they're way out of the realm of sleep paralysis into dingbat land. You know, I can see the aliens. I can see the man in the hat. I can see the man with the red eyes. But what you're waiting for the whole time is some some science, some you know, somebody from a medical background or just to come you in mean and an say actual documentary, an actual documentary. <laughs> Where somebody comes in, he's qualified to talk about this, who's treated people for this, it, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> so all you end up with is this one after the other after the other of recreations of people laying in bed with people leaning over them, and it is not scary. So all the hype around this, all of the, oh, this is the scariest thing of the decade and all this, it's absolute shit. Which... Moves me on to the next film, which is called We Are Still Here. Again on iTunes, um, a first-time feature. And I, I, I did a little bit of hype around this. So, oh, it, this, is, this is actually quite scary. 
I haven't been scared by a film probably uh, it, it's got to be years I genuinely don't remember the last time I was actually scared and this thing fucking terrified me it's set in the 70s and it sounds really cliche so you've got a bereaved couple their sons died they move out to um, the American Midwest and it's all the snow and they move into an old funeral home um, you've got kind of a cast which is your horror stalwart Barbara Crampton who was in Reanimator and a load mm-hmm. of other schlock after that <laughs> 80 minutes long couple in the house it gets going really quickly so the kind of things moving and stuff going on a la sort of poltergeist but it's really effective it's really brisk some guests arrive the local townspeople all look at them, you know, they walk in the pub, everyone stops talking and stares. And and for the first hour, maybe even the first hour and sort of five, ten minutes, it was really scary. And then the last 15, it turns into this massive splatter fest of gore and it, a massive tonal shift. And I, I think they've made a massive mistake there because, the, you know, the first 60, 70 minutes, I was actually scared. And then the last 15 minutes I was laughing. So I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I'm going to murder the guy's name. It's G E O G H E G A N. If they're all silent, I think his name's Ted go again. (laughs) (laughs) But for a first feat, honestly, absolutely watch this. If you, if you like horror and you like being scared and haven't been for a long time. Yeah. We are still here absolutely recommended forget all that bloody insidious crap and poltergeist rubbish. <laughs> mm. excellent well, have you heard fine. of it no oh sorry go on no 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 not heard of it but uh sounds worth a watch cool uh yes yeah, so i finally thought we'd be watching the film that i've seen which was billy elliott um not seen it before and it's been out for a bloody long time now i suppose um did it was it was it based on the play, or did the play come after? I don't know. Um, this is where I should research, but I know I'm not going to change my ways now. <laughs> but either way, it's a uh, Jamie Bell stars as Billy Elliot, who is an 11 year old boy in the north of England in the 80s, around the time of the miners' strikes. Um, his dad is obviously a miner. Um, I suppose Billy Elliot is well in some ways. I didn't get much luck. For, yeah, I didn't get much luck <laughs> for that joke, did I? <laughs> that fell flat pretty quick. Yeah, um, yeah, not the kind of film. I only watched this because I was waiting on a phone call um, and didn't want to start watching a film. So this was like that I wanted to watch. This was on BBC Four, so I just put it on, and it ended up actually quite enjoying it. It is quite a good film. Um, that is not... the worst excuse I've ever heard for my girlfriend <laughs> wanted to watch it. No, that wasn't the case at all. She wasn't even there. <laughs> well, I hang swear. on. Your girlfriend wasn't with you, and you thought, hmm, I can neither watch pornography or watch Billy Elliot. I did both. Yeah, not simultaneously. <laughs> I mean, Billy Elliot was very much the sandwich in the viewing. Uh, <laughs> very much the filling of the bread. 
Anyway, nothing, nothing's a decent cool down period like a ballet dancing child. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> certainly a mood well, killer for most charge. for most people. Yeah. <laughs> certainly, certainly a mood killer for most people. <laughs> but anyway, no, you've thrown my train of thought there. Um, <laughs> I've just the Norman household is just terrifying <laughs> to me now. <laughs> Still terrifying to me. <laughs> Anyway, I watched it. I liked it. It was quite good. Um, good performances all round. I don't think Jamie Pell's ever 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 topped it. Really, based on he's not a bad actor. I've just not seen him in much that's actually that good. He actually he had he was one of the few good bits about that fucking Lars von Trier movie. What was it called? <laughs> uh, uh, Nymphomaniac. That's the one. He was good in Snowpiercer as well. He was good in Snowpiercer. Uh, Snowpiercer and Infomania are probably the two things that I recommend watching Billy Elliot in. <laughs> He's going to be the thing in the new Fantastic Four film as well. Yeah, yeah I'm not watching that. that. Mm. Uh, the best thing so, about yeah. Infomania was when, um, oh God, I've forgotten his name. The guy was in those, the, the Transformers movie. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, when he goes, Nika. Nika. <laughs> did you know that? Is that the best bit for you? <laughs> you know what? Me, me and a buddy, we we went we went to the Cineworld, the one show in the head of the Cineworld of Nymphomaniac, and I thought it was going to be like this really awkward giggling, and it turned out me and him literally falling out of our seats laughing at this entire movie. Oh. Sheer LaBeouf, I've never laughed so much at anything that dude has done ever. Never. His fucking accent may be the worst thing I've ever seen put onto film. But to be fair. He was fucking brilliant in Filth. I've not seen Filth. Yeah, he was, yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, in, the, in the follow-up to that as well, his character Lennox is, is the main character in the, in the next Irving Welsh book. I don't know if they're going to film it or not, but it'd be interesting if they do. Ah, oh, right. Anyway, um, I don't really know where to go with that review anymore, so we'll leave it there, have a break, and there's some new releases for you, which will include uh, United Passion Spy Survivor and Insidious 3. Time now for some new releases, and we're going to start off with what was, as mentioned earlier, I think a box office smash in America upon its opening weekend, (laughs) and that is the almost entirely self-funded FIFA movie, United Passions, starring Tim Roth as Seth Blatter, um, as well as um, Gerard Depardieu and uh, Sam Neill. And me and Paul have seen this, and we don't know why. <laughs> well, I do, because I got paid. <laughs> well, well actually, yeah. I said it before I got paid, but yeah, no. I, it's, what, come on, I'm curious, what did you think? Mind-numbing bilge and the Nazi party probably did worse propaganda than this. Like, this was better propaganda. Well, I... I mean, the the first half of the review I did pretty much focused on um, the anti-English sentiment. Yeah. It was just literally the first 30 minutes. And uh, I actually quoted saying it was, you know, it's the most clumsily executed propaganda since Lord Haw Haw took to the airwaves. Um <laughs> It's just awful, particularly from an English point of view. And, you know, we, we should kind of set out 
Now, this is not going to be released in the UK. Which it's is been, a it's, crying it's been released shame. in 70, <laughs> 70 countries, including the States, but it ain't coming out here. That's disappointing because the masses would flock to see it. Should we, <laughs> kind of, should we sort of paint a, an overall picture here? It's, 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 it's the Mr. Burns movie from when the Springfield have a film festival and he makes his own film. It's that. It, it, it pretty much is. <laughs> I mean, the story of FIFA, the story of FIFA, the story of the World Cup, and it it, it does rattle through the years. And you know, even that start when you, which is in 1904, and all the English are these top hat wearing colonial bastards. And you know, even the 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 chap comes up to him, doesn't he, and goes, "What what are those bloody frogs saying?" You know, it's just like really. And we, we, and it doesn't paint a better picture for us going forward. You, get, you know, they, 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 they talk about Mussolini and Hitler, and for fuck's sake, and still the English come off, you know, as the worst nation in football. We're, well, really, we're just the worst nation at football. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I watched that Ireland England game. I can agree with that. And even I mean, that was more entertaining than the United Passions. <laughs> The, the bit that got me was the there's, there's a scene where um, all the children, I think they're in Africa and you've got these young barefooted children playing football no, there's no, you know not a blade of grass in sight and his, his aide, his lackey turns to him and says, you know oh Sep, you're working too hard you've just come <laughs> back from promoting football in Asia, you need to rest no we need to be promoting women's football. <laughs> I just couldn't stop laughing. Mm. It's just by getting so... them to wear shorter shorts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh God! It's it's the worst kind of film. It's just dross. It's a, it's offensive. Hmm? It's just garbage. I, just... I would rather I would rather watch Kill Keith twice than watch that once. <laughs> I, I, I think I think people need to see it for themselves just to see how you know this is so bad it's good. It's you know, not. It's, 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 no, but it is because it's so <laughs> terrible. I, we we were sitting here and we were laughing and laughing, and I made five pages of notes, which were all basically sarcastic piss take. It was just unbelievable how anyone could think that people would believe that this was you know in any way true bar the two people on IMDB who gave it a 10 star review (laughs) that Sep Sep Blatter and um... it was was Bep Slatter (laughs) (laughs) one of Michael Owen's films that he reviewed (laughs) even FIFA have gone on to IMDb and diddled their review. It's, it's just. just tripe. Uh, on, from, on from United Passions then, and on to the next film we're going to review, and that is Survivor, seen by Brooker. Right. I don't think it's don't think Survivor's quite as bad as your one, but it's pretty bad. So <laughs> it's. <clears throat> It's the story of Miljovovic, who is a, an American 
spy or an American foreign service agent in London who is trying to stop a terrorist attack in New York that's going to be done by a very, very old-looking Pierce Brosnan. Now, this film, literally, it's it's an hour and a half long, and I think, yeah, maybe one of the most painful experiences of the last couple of weeks watching this film. It was just... It was cliché after cliché. You know what? If Brosnan and Jovovich hadn't been in it, it would have absolutely been a straight-to-video movie. It it was the worst B movie shit I've seen in, in quite a while. It wow. It includes. <laughs> it was so boring. I I almost fell asleep about halfway through. It everything about it just screamed awfulness. It I I give you this example right. There's there's a bit in it now. I I I always pick up on silly shit like this, but she's like hacked into a computer and she's looking for a person. She, I think she's kind of undercover or something at, uh, at the passport office or immigration. And she's looking for somebody. And literally this woman on this computer Googles recently processed scientists. <laughs> and I looked wow. literally, I looked at this thing and went, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> there is no way that gives you anything except maybe spam hmm. like ever it's just terrible I, I quite like Pierce Brosnan even in his B-movie stuff I quite like Pierce Brosnan he can't rescue this film as this awful uber bad guy ultra terrorist dude who's just terrible like randomly kills people for less than no reason because it makes him look bad at us whereas in actual fact it just makes him look like a twat hmm. it's there's nothing to say about this film. It's got almost no redeeming... No, it's got no redeeming feature whatsoever. The I reckon I'm convinced that the only reason it got a theatrical release is because this week was supposed to be quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe they thought we'd all be up for a little bit of spy nonsense after Spooks. I genuinely think that's the only reason it got a the- theatrical release. Otherwise, it would have gone straight to DVD. Or straight to iTunes. It's terrible. Just don't watch it. Like, ever. <laughs> I kind of... I thought it might be a bit better than it looked from the trailer because of the director. Well, this, um, is, this is kind of my biggest problem because it's James, James McTeague, isn't it, that made it? Yeah, yeah. Now, that dude is absolutely a one-trick pony. Absolutely. The only thing he's ever done that's any good is V for Vendetta. I thought Ninja Assassin was all right. Oh, I couldn't stand that. Oh, we? Yeah, you get your rocks off on anything that has the word ninja in the title. Well, this is true. Or it does make it quite easy. He also directed two episodes in Sense Eight, apparently. So, have you seen Ninja Incest? <laughs> no, is that a real film? <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just trying to work out a film with ninja in the title that you wouldn't like. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, I'm quite sure that you went for <laughs> Ninja Incest. Like it. He just said he hasn't seen it yet. Oh, okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's on the shelf. <laughs> It's not Ninja Incest 2, though. Forget it. <laughs> See, I, I kind of, I really wanted to, to enjoy is it. it and is, is a Ninja Inf- Incest 3 fun for all the family? Hey! <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's off. 
<laughs> At least once an episode, Steve manages to kill me. <laughs> well, <laughs> Sorry, <I don't>... mate. <laughs> Off, edit this out, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, Steve. Anyway, one incest we... joke, and we're, it's all over. <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can carry on with our review there of, uh, of whatever the hell it was, Survivor. <laughs> um, but we can move on to our review of Insidious Three. Um, yeah, no incest in that. Sorry, we're reviewing Insidious Three. Insidious Three, yeah. Or Chapter Three. Yeah, Insidious Chapter Three. Which I've not seen the film, but chronologically isn't it a prequel? So technically, it should be Chapter One. Technically, it should be Insidious the Prologue. The Prologue, yeah. But it isn't. It's just called Chapter Three. So. I haven't got an excuse for that. It just is. Well, you don't. Have, you cheat. don't. You don't need an excuse for it. You didn't make it. You didn't come up with the title. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for the, uh, the excuse there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Insidious. Insidi- I think he called it Incestuous Three then by accident. <laughs> Fucking hell. Stop Incestuous it. Three. Fun poor family. <laughs> hey. <laughs> oh. Uh, good. So right. Yes. Insidious Chapter Three. Um, which is as we've just mentioned, a prequel set before the first film even occurs. So it's, it's set in... Uh, I forget when it is, um, but it's a long time before. But basically, um, you know the recurring character in the in the Insidious films? You've got the old lady who's the psychic. Actually, before I start, have you all seen the in- Insidious right, can you, films? Yeah, can you rewind for me? Because I... Don't, is, this, is this the one with the, the bloke who looks like the... The, the baddie in Star Wars with the red and black face. No? Which one's the Luke in Star Wars. Oh, yeah. No, it is. Yeah, with Darth Maul. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. I hate Star Wars, but I know all the names. <laughs> Easy. Yeah, it is. Right. So, um, okay. that, that guy is in the first one. He's not in the second one. Right. Yeah. So, the first one is James Wan's film, and it was made on a budget of something ridiculous like one, one and a half million and made over a hundred million dollars. It was ridiculously successful. I don't know, he must have done a deal with the devil, I think, James Wan. Cause was it Lionsgate uh, is... as well? Pardon? Was it Lionsgate? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they all uh, mostly, yeah. Um, yes, but he didn't do the second one, so. This this third one is actually by a guy called Lee Wannell, who um, he's the he, uh, screenwriter for Saw. He's the screenwriter. Yeah, he's done a lot of work with James Wan. I was going to say he's done um, work with him on Saw or the sequels or something. Oh no, he, he worked on the original as well. He also wrote the first Insidious film, did the screenplay for the second Insidious film. This is his first as the director. In fact, it's his directorial debut. Um, but I think he does a really good job, in fairness. I think the, there are problems with Insidious 3, 
not all of them are actually his fault. The script is fine. I think it's probably the, the strongest script of all three films, in fairness. The first film is... Ve- I've watched all three of them over the past few days um, in order. So I watched Insidious 3 and then Insidious and then Insidious 2. Um, and actually, it's got the strongest script out of the lot. The story seems to be the one that makes the most sense, even though it's still kind of a bit shabby. Uh, particularly compared to some stronger horrors. Even stuff like, I think, if you compare it to the first Paranormal Activity film, because the first Insidious did get compared to that. The first Insidious was basically the non-found footage version of Paranormal Activity, which is fine by me. I think both films are pretty good. They both do their own thing. But Insidious, the, the problem it has is it's not scary. It's just the same thing happened with the second one, where there were no jump scares in it that there's no real sort of atmosphere to the film it all just kind of plods along i was watching it in the cinema i almost fell asleep watching it i've only fallen asleep in the cinema to one film before um this was close to being second on the list but there were people that i mean it's not really made for me the, the, the insidious films i think are made for people who don't watch as many horror films as like, like we do I guess it's made for people who have like their one or two horror films a year. They see in the cinema, they throw the popcorn in the air when something shouts boo. Date um, night jump scares. Date night jump scares. Yeah. Which is fine. I think they'd serve a purpose in insidious films. They're quite okay for what they are. In fact, when I was watching this one in the cinema, there was someone, a girl who was about four or five rows behind me, literally heaving at one point. Proper like when there was something happening. There was a because the girl the the story basically revolves around this um, young girl whose name has escaped me. Quinn. So she Quinn uh, Quinn (laughs) Quinn with an N. Jesus Christ! (laughs) (laughs) I I was going to watch it. Now I'm not. (laughs) Yeah, incestuous three with Quinn. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, so oh god. This girl, she breaks both her legs and in as part of the film she kicks the plaster off her legs against the bedpost. And as she walks you sort of hear the sort of crunching noise which um have you oh. seen Audition? The uh, Yes, I've seen that. And you know the scene I'm going to talk about yeah. with the ankles and that noise with the crunching bone. It's the same noise except the actual pictures that are accompanying it are rubbish because it's just the girl Stephanie Scott, the actress, who's just walking a bit funny. There's no like special effects or anything. It's just the noise. But it made people in the cinema heave. They were like properly. Sounds it, yeah, it sounds like a bit of Saw Three that made me heave with the ankles. Uh, I don't know if you... yeah, yeah, they they pull it in Saw Three as well. <laughs> my, my my the only thing in sort of horror movies I I have a real issue with is ankles and specifically the Achilles. If I see that cut, I, I just can't. It just makes me... I just want to vomit. Yeah, Pet cemetery. Oh, it's, yeah. There's loads. <laughs> I saw the devil. Doesn't that... Doesn't, oh, oh, yeah. Oh. When I, if I see somebody's Achilles be cut, that's it. I'm gone. I, I just can't. I can't watch it. My I don't know what it is. When when you get the uh, the Achilles get cut in Pet cemetery, like you know where it is in Pet cemetery, like two minutes from the end of the film? Mm. The missus made me turn the film off. <laughs> we're right near the end, so no fuck off, turn it off. It's weird, isn't it? We'll watch people's heads explode. 
and have you know th- their stomachs ripped out. Oof, you could touch that little bit down by the bottom of your foot. Not <laughs> I used happy to use about that. I'm I can't really. Teeth. I can't do teeth. I can't do eyes. You know the bit in um, Zombie Flesh Eaters with the Ooh. spikes that goes through the eye? That's, Have you seen that, Teeth? Uh, What's that film called? Teeth. Teeth? teeth. Yeah. Teeth. Where she's got teeth in her minge. In her quim. Yes. She's got a toothy <laughs> quim. Like I've seen that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like Teeth. Teeth's a good film. Yeah. I just want to say on these Lionsgate horrors, mm-hmm. I just, I really hate them. I've said this before. That it's, They're very paint-by-numbers, aren't they? Paint it by is. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's movies by accountants. They get a £10 million or well, $10 million budget. They know they're going to take in 48 But it's I think Insidious, Insidious is a slight step up from those, though. Really? Particularly with, with the orange, origins of it, when it was made really low budget. And it was just shot in three weeks, and it, was just, it wasn't really made as an account. It was basically so James Wan could make a bit of money to make the kind of films he wants to make. Oh. I mean, The Conjuring was basically him. That's oh, the, that's the horror. That was rubbish. I kind of like that. I think that was the film he wanted to make, and Insidious was just to get the money to make it. When, when you know, we, we talked about it earlier, but we are still here. Um, Watch that, and then come back, and we'll talk about okay. this because that sure. is a really low budget, but super, superly effective horror movie. Okay. okay, but I will just say the one thing I do like about the Insidious films, um, or particularly the third and the first one, is the character Elise, the psychic who goes in to the, you know, the older lady who goes in and sort of is the person who talks to them about the further and uh, play on pre- Poltergeist with the older lady who possibly, yeah, I didn't think about it like that. But in the first film, she just turns up and she explains everything, and she's just like a side character. Um, the second film, she's just the worst written character. Her, the, the actress, Lin Shay, is really bad in the second one. In the third one, she's kind of like the central character, which is good because she's actually fleshed out a bit more. She's given the backstory. The whole prequel thing is about her and how she became this psychic who gets involved with these paranormal investigations and so on, which I liked. I liked that. I think it was done really well. I think she was actually the best actress in the film by a mile. Um, but that's like the, the the end of my compliments for it. And I think I'll just shut up there because the only other things I'll say are kind of derogatory about it. Okay. Well, on to the final new release we're going to review. And that it, it is Spy, the new Paul Feig comedy starring Melissa McCarthy, uh, Jude Law, Jason Statham and Miranda Hart. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Can we just from the outset, Paul Feig is the director. I'm Paul Field, not the director. <laughs> when, when was that when was that confusion ever made? Earlier with Owen. When Miranda got cast. Mm. Yeah. Um <coughs> anyway, so I think it might be some mixed mixed reactions to this film from the critics. The failed critics. Um <laughs> you speak I... for yourself, pal. <laughs> I I, 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 my feeling. I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was that bad. I thought I got some good, good laughs out of it. I thought Jason Statham was really good. Um, my goodness, might sound a bit like Callum here, but uh, I thought that it wasn't kind of typically laughing at Melissa McCarthy because she's a fat woman. That there was no, mm. there was no kind of jokes at her expense. It was what? just with her as a central character. Um, 
And yeah, it was not the best comedy I've ever seen by any means, but it certainly had enough laughs to kind of justify going and paying money to see it. Yeah, I, I thought it was actually surprisingly quite good. I saw the trailer and I know that Paul and I talked about it on Twitter before with Miranda falling down about two or three times in the trailer. It didn't happen in the film, it. did it? No, no it was I... in the trailer. It wasn't in the film. Only when she, no. when she lands on 50 Cent. It's yeah, more of a that's... tackle. Than... Mm. I never thought I'd say the sentence, Miranda Hart and 50 Cent sharing a, a scene together. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's, I don't know how she snuck into this, but... Um... Apparently, Paul Craig was a fan of her sitcom and cast and wanted to get her in a film for ages. Yeah. Apparently. Why? I don't know. She's, she's not <laughs> Has he ever seen anything she's been in? He's no, but the thing, oh, yeah, the she's thing, really the, good. The, the thing is, she didn't write this. She didn't write her character. She's not playing an exaggerated version of herself as what she does in her sitcom. So... If, if this... You know, she's not really annoying in this. You're just... You only dislike her because you've got a pre disposed dislike of Miranda Hart if any other actress is playing that role you haven't got this dislike of the character it's just because no. she doesn't she doesn't play Miranda in this film I yeah, think her, char- her character she, is about as funny as an ingrown toenail I did, her, 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 her character is the weakest of the, the main or backup cast yes agree, agreed but you only have this hatred of her because it's played by Miranda if any other person every other woman in the world played that role you wouldn't dislike it as much I don't particularly have any feelings towards... Well, I didn't until I saw this film. <laughs> I didn't particularly have any feelings towards Miranda, positive or negative. I'd, I'd just I'd take a leave her. I couldn't care less. But I just... She looks like that weird aunt that won't leave you alone. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a weird aunt like that. In, 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 <laughs> just, incestuous oh, four, brother, where art thou? Absolutely. <laughs> she just... Abs- she's, her gums upset me. I saw every time she was on the screen, I couldn't help but stare at her teeth. But anyway, she... enough about enough about Miranda and vilifying <laughs> someone's looks. Does she not fall into this whole category we have now of kind of comedic Brits who fucked off to Hollywood, much to our relief, and but then we get them back again in films? Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Lee Evans before that did it. Russell Brand. Yeah. Miranda. Who else has done it? There's quite a few. uh, Simon Simon Pegg. Yeah, but he he did okay. Oh, God. Who's that fat twat? James like. Yeah. See, he's done the same thing now. He's going to be in a film coming up that I really want to see, but it's got James Corden in it. He's pretty big in America, eh? No, but he's pretty, pretty big, yeah. <laughs> pretty big everywhere. But, the, yeah. But I, are, I, we, we build them up, knock them down, fuck them off to the States, then they come back and we want to fuck them off again. Well, anyway, so <laughs> me, 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 me and Owen liked the film uh, yeah. to an extent, but you two didn't. Other than Miranda, why is that? Do you, want, do you want me to do my rappers in comedy bit? You want? <laughs> I, I really have an issue with, like, we, we've got our big kind of summer comedy. Okay. <clears throat> we need to hit all these kind of beats. We need to get a rapper in. And I sort of went on Google. I thought, have they done this a lot? Because it seems to me they've done it a lot. 
And one site had the top 20 rappers in comedy video appearances. Got, I'm thinking, got, I'm I'm like, are you let's, fucking kidding me? Let's, Is that let's many? Try and, let's try and see if we can hit, hit some Come on, I've got a list here. So ice, ice, them. Ice, ice Cube. cube. Ice, we'll make the list more than one. 22 Jump Street. 21 Jump Street. Yep, yep. Ice Cube. Hang on, I'm going to oh, Ice Cube in Friday. Okay. Yep, Ice Cube. Anyone else? How many entries does Ice Cube get in that list? He's just just the one. This is only the top 20 by Right. Snoop Dogg must be in some. Yep, Snoop Dogg. What the fuck comedy um, has Snoop Dogg been in? P. Diddy or Puff Daddy. Yep, get him to the Greek. Was, yep, him. Go on. Hold on. Um, uh, Method Man, Red Man and Cypress Hill were all in How High. Yep. Most Def in Hitchcock. Buster Rhymes. Most Def in, yep, um, that thing with Bust- video cassettes. Buster Rhymes must have been in some. I'm sure he in was the in the top it. 20. Not the top, you just missed out. No. Unlucky. Number 21, I think. <laughs> I he's gutted about that. Come on, guys. Uh, Massive, obvious. Vanilla Ice. Yep. He was, so this he was in the this includes, topic. like, just small cameos. Hang on. Does Will Smith count? No. Well, he's what, not in the top what? 20. Wait, <laughs> should I give you some more? Exhibit, maybe? No. Very recent. Ludicrous. No. Eminem in the interview. Eminem was in the interview? Yep. Right, this He's interviewing. Oh, yeah, he was. I've not seen the interview. They're saying he's gay. Yeah. Ice T and the other guys. Kanye West in Anchorman 2. Ja Rule, Scary Movie 3. (laughs) Will I Am in Date Night. Little Kim in Zoolander. Tupac in Nothing But Trouble. We don't worry about that. Chuck (laughs) D in Ron Burgundy, the first one. And this list goes on. It is done. Please don't put a rapper in for stunt casting. And then Spy comes out, 2015. All oh, his 50 cent and Miranda's fallen on top of him. Fuck him. Do you know, I've seen a 50 cent film with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro in it. Hey, I've seen a 50 cent film with fucking Danny Dyer. Have you? Yeah. Definitely. I'm sure it was him. Hang That's on. the dream team. Uh, dead, dead man running. There you go. Somewhere 50 like cent and 50 pence. <laughs> <laughs> 10 bob. Anyway. 10 bob. Yeah. Uh, so that's it what it's called. Well. 50 like it. cent, Brenda Bleffin and Danny Dyer. <laughs> Paul doesn't like it because there's a rapper in it. Um, Brooker, <laughs> why don't you like it? Uh, I'll be honest, it was all right. I'm, I wouldn't say I didn't like it. I'm, I'm a big fan of Melissa McCarthy. And I think uh, for... Well, well, you know, takes all kinds, doesn't it? <laughs> but no, I mean, I think she's really funny. And when they're not making generic fucking fat jokes about Melissa McCarthy, I think she's really funny. And clearly, a lot of that script was ad-libbed as she was yeah. doing it. And I really like her for doing that. But the film just, it didn't get the laughs I wanted it to get. I think Jason Statham was great. He was brilliant, wasn't he? I thought I, I just thought he took his tough guy thing and... And ran with it as he needed to to make that bit funny. And I thought he was fucking hilarious. But did you not think? I mean, I love the state. Don't get me wrong. I, he's only ever done, as far as I'm concerned, what, not one bad film. But he done Wild Card, you... dude. That film was awful. No, it was called London. But anyway, <laughs> when you see the, the billing, you've got come to see up, in the name of the king. Then I'm afraid. Oh, I have. Trust me. But when the billing comes, like you see Melissa McCarthy, and it says Jason Statham, you think, oh, awesome. But. He literally does four or five, essentially, cameos. 
he basically he's got like like uh, Keenan Wayans and stuff in his leave. films just just randomly pops up, does a funny line, mm. and fucks off. Yeah. But every time he does it, I was laughing. I mean, I thought he was great every time he done that. And that little fucking scene in the goddamn hotel had me howling. I, I thought <laughs> yeah. he was great. But yeah. and, and, yeah. and I loved it when he called them all twats. Oh, that was great. <laughs> And Don't I, say that. We, uh, what's the English word for vagina? Let's call them all vaginas instead. And I'm, I'm so glad that the more 15 rated films I see where the phrase thunder cunt is used, <laughs> the happier I will be. But yeah, and it's, it's got nothing to do with Miranda and her BBC thing. I've, I've got no time for that. I don't watch it. I just didn't think she was funny. I, I thought she, her character was weak. I thought she was played weak. And every time she was on the screen, it irked me. I just no, I, I wouldn't say I hated it. I still think The Heat is Melissa McCarthy's best film. I've only seen her in, as far as I'm aware, Bridesmaids, which was also a Paul Feig film. Yeah, as was um, and, and st- yeah. what well, I'm assuming she's going to take the lead in the new Ghostbusters, all female yeah, cast, yeah, in, yeah. whatever. Can we can um, we just touch before we leave Spy? I thought the star of the show was Rose Byrne. She, Did you think so? Oh, I thought she was brilliant. The potty <laughs> mouth on her was outstanding. And the way she, the put down she came out with, and the way she did the sneering down her nose the whole time was so over the top. And I just thought it was absolutely brilliant. She was I've very just, funny. I've just watched her in the Insidious films, and she's terrible in those. Oh. So it may just be colour in my, my opinion. Um, um, anyway, um, that brings to a close in our review of Spy. Basically, um, Unless you're Paul, it's a film worth seeing and you'll get a few laughs out of it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. For the record, um, I don't think 50 Cent should be in a movie ever. No. I did once see his the the semi-autobiographical film he did about his own life. Get Rich or Die Trying. That's the one, yeah. It would have been better if he'd have died trying. <laughs> Steve, can you, can you add Dead Man Running to the list of films that um, Owen's going to have to watch when he loses the quiz? Oh, dude. Yes. 50 Cent and Danny Dyer. (laughs) I thought we established Steve doesn't make any notes for the podcast, so hopefully it will just disappear and you'll forget all about it. He doesn't make mental notes. (laughs) He doesn't get a special bus to work. (laughs) Now I've got my own car. (laughs) (laughs) Who drives it? (laughs) Anyway, so before we go quickly, some recommendations for everyone. Um, I'm going to start off with Saturday afternoon on ITV1. Probably watch this after you've gone and seen the new one at the cinema. It's the original Jurassic Park. Uh, the reason I say go and watch it after you've seen a new one is watch it before you go and see the new one. It'll probably make you really hate the new one if the reviews are to be believed. So watch, yeah. watch, go and watch the new one, then watch the original and cheer yourself up a bit. <laughs> um, Owen? Um, so this is kind of just a watch it if you want to watch a, a film that's so bad it's good sort of film. It's on Movies for Men, so that'll give you an idea of the quality. Yeah, Sky Channel 325. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that poor. Oh, okay. So. Uh, it's the film called The Fighting Fists of Shanghai Joe. <laughs> which is from 1973. A film? Really... <laughs> Yeah, you wasn't expecting that, were you? Bloody hell, Owen. <laughs> Easy, Tiger. 
It's uh, actually... Is that, is that before or after the 10-minute preview? <laughs> <laughs> it's got close Kinski in it as well, so there's your incest, Paul. So, um... Is that another joke in the podcast that's going to fall flat? Yeah. We know Clay Skinsky from the Werner Herzog films, supposedly. Sorry, no, I had to say Werner okay, Herzog, so I assume you're talking to me. Anyone, yeah. Close, never mind. Clay Skinsky, was, it, it, that was an incest joke, but never mind. Uh, yeah, Fighting Fists of Shanghai Joe is actually a really funny, hilarious Western about a Chinese guy. Um, with all the stereotypes that you can imagine being in a film like this. Like, the character saying, I ain't never seen no Chinese cowboy. Uh, and on, live long enough... Hang on, trying to work that out. Is that a triple negative? Does it mean he's seen he has? Or... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, long live, uh, live long enough and you'll see everything, Confucius say. That's an actual line from the film as well. I just thought it was really quite funny. Um, but yeah, it's on Movies for Men on Sunday at... 22.11 in the evening. Okay, cool. And Brooker? Uh, so how about an actual, proper, real-life comedy on Saturday night, Sunday morning, about 25 past 12, on film four, the first Clerks film is on. Nice. Okay, and Paul, finally. I'm going for one we've already touched upon, which is uh, Sense8 on uh, Netflix, where if you have got a 4K set, you can watch the bird out of Doctor Who and Torchwood put a strap on out of a transgender lover and see the lube spray everywhere. In 4K. I absolutely knew you were going to pick that particular scene as soon as I saw it. <laughs> I thought, yeah, Paul, this is why Paul likes this show. I'm picturing like a, like a Pantene advert with a rubber cock. <laughs> Pretty much. Nice. Okay. Uh, it's been a very weird podcast. And it's probably it, how has it, it been there. a weird podcast? I thought this would be quite civilized for us. <laughs> if, if ever a podcast of ours has required the explicit tag, that yeah, not yeah. safe for work, do not listen through. Here's, here's a tip office. for you: don't get me and Brooker on together. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening in two weeks' time? You're fucking doing it again. <laughs> anyway, and there's uh, nothing there's... to see either. It's going to yeah. descend into carnage. Anyway. That's all for this week's Help Critics podcast. Thank you, everyone who's listened. And thank you, Owen, Brooker, Paul, for joining me on this adventure through film and filth. (laughs) (laughs) The Failed Critics podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.